Today, we welcome back Lisa Wade. She is a senior yoga teacher and very, very passionate about everything in our world. She is the chair of the NAB Pride Group. So welcome today, Lisa. Hey, how are you going? Yeah, it's really lovely to have you. Thank you for joining us again. No, thank you. So I was going to start by just asking you, LGBTI+, is that what it is at the moment? Oh, it changes all the time and I never get it right. So <laughs> okay. just roll with it. Um, I've got a friend who's doing a fundraiser, Paige Ellenson, actually, the CEO of Africa Yoga Project, is doing an LGBTIQ plus fundraiser in America at the moment for one of her friends for movement. And at NAB at the moment, we're LGBTI with no plus, but we um, spend a lot of time on the committee talking about what our acronym should be. Um, so I think the most important thing is the intention is respect and we intend, our intention is to respect all and include all. And hopefully that comes through in how you say it, not necessarily what you say. Totally. And I just want to put out there too, I don't know what I don't know about this subject. So I'm feeling a little yes. bit vulnerable putting it out there right now. Because oh, me too. <laughs> good. Thank you. So obviously we're both wanting to support the community and wanting to yeah. educate people and let them know where they can reach out for information if necessary. So yeah. I just wanted to ask you though, so L for lesbian, G for gay, B for yep. bisexual, T for transgender. Yes. Yes. And I for? Intersex. Intersex. Do you know what that yeah. means? Yeah. So intersex is a very broad term for people with um, both male and female or different gender identification. There's about, I want to say about over 300 genetic differences. Oh. Um, that mean that um, gender is actually not black or white and can often be fluid and so intersex is it includes all of those things and I probably said that wrong too so it's a very broad term and quite a lot of uh, touches on quite a lot of different things. From what I've read I've been reading it up as much as I can the reason yeah. that all of these different groups I guess are put together in the acronym to show support for the diversity of sexual orientation is that right yeah that's right yeah, yeah. so in numbers well, there's support and in numbers there's a feeling of solidarity and of belonging and I think that's why it's there is that right yeah pretty much and, and you do get you know, like different interests amongst the different groups and it's hard to um, sort of uh, identify with people or connect, is a better word, with people across the continuum. And, um, you know, for example, at NAB, we have very few out female role models. I'm probably the most senior out woman and I'm not that senior. And so because we have the lack of role models, we actually struggle to engage with women in our pride network, which frustrates me greatly and is totally understandable because we try to have events for sort of a one-size-fits-all um, across a very diverse range of people with, with different interests. And, you know, I don't know the answers to why we don't, you know, we, the statistics for women being out at National Australia Bank are lower um, we engage with less of our female gay population and no one really knows why. And it's actually an industry-wide 
phenomena across corporate Australia. We're all governed by an index called the Australian Workplace Equality Index. It's how we're all benchmarked. And it's one of the reasons why Pride gets so well funded at NAB um, is that we um, are a gold employer in that realm. And so we get a lot of our, our resources and create a lot of our events and infrastructure around that. Um, it, within that survey, um, there's a lower engagement of females in corporate Australia and Price Waterhouse did a report with Pride and Diversity um, and it's called Where Are All the Women because it's very hard to engage women and get them to come to events and um, it, it's sort of a big focus for quite a few corporates at the moment to really sort of bring out the minorities within the minorities and, and do a lot of work with them. So in that realm, we're, we're focusing on women, intersex and trans to try to uplift our connection within the employee network and our customers as well, because we're, um, our pride initiatives are extremely customer and community focused. So as a woman yourself, how have you yep. found, and you just said you identify as, sorry, I didn't even ask that, do you identify as lesbian? Yes. Yes. So as a woman yourself, obviously in corporate NAB in Australia. Yeah. How have you found the journey forward in terms of support? Uh, like so, okay. So I think you could probably divide my career into before and after. Mm-hmm. So before, um, I struggled a lot, and I felt very alone. I didn't really feel very comfortable coming out, even though all my all my close work friends and people like that, like I've never really had a bad response from anybody or had any bad experiences, to be honest which is why I stepped up at NAB. But I've never had a female role model, for example, never had anyone to look up to or guide me or um, really help me in the workplace with these issues. So I very much didn't think it was anybody's business. And, um, you know, I, I was extremely lucky to have been as successful as I have been. And I didn't really feel as though it was something that I needed to, you know, own or um, I never considered myself to be a role model. And then it's actually when we did our yoga teacher training that um, one of the other girls stood up and told a story about her family disowning her. And at that training, um, I remember being very um, annoyed with that girl because without me even telling her my sexuality, she had walked up to me and told me that gay marriage was legal in Canberra. And I internally reacted. I was like, but you know, I haven't even told you that I'm gay. Mm. And I found it very invasive. Like the whole gay I thing is very real. And at that point in my life, which was seven years ago, I found that quite invasive and and I was a little bit annoyed. I didn't. I didn't say I was on. Obviously, I said, "Oh, well, that's really great news. Thank you." But in my head, I was thinking, "How do you even know? Like, I haven't even told you. Yeah. Like, we haven't even had this conversation. I've never even met you and had a conversation." And you're, you know. And then when she told her story, um, my heart broke, and I looked back on my life and I realised how lucky I'd been and how successful that I had been. And just in the heat of the moment in a yoga teacher training, as you do, I stood up and said that I would be um, an example and a role model for gay women because I felt that I'd been very lucky and that I felt it was time to step up. And so from that moment, I committed to stepping up and taking more of a leadership role. So when I joined National Australia Bank, I basically... Um, was brought in by an AGM who's no longer with the bank called Steve Lambert. And when there were opportunities came up to lead the Pride Network, I asked him to put me forward so that I could lead. And I had no idea 
what that would mean or what it would look like. And I didn't even, I didn't do it for myself. I did it to be a stand for women, um, especially gay women in the workplace. And I had no idea how much of an impact it would have on my life. And when I look back now, I think it's really sad in a way how I was before, um, but I had no way of knowing because I was just being me, right? I was just doing the best I could and I didn't have a role model. Yeah, you are phenomenal, amazing. You are <laughs> totally amazing role model for women and what you're doing is just wonderful. But a couple of things I wanted to come back to. So one there was yeah. people assuming so that's something that we shouldn't do, like assuming, you know, before meeting people or having that discussion, she didn't do it in a way that probably was negative. But no, it was it's, fine. Yeah. yeah, but it can offend. It's not offensive. Like her heart, it's, hard to put, it's hard to put into words. It's more like it's a conversation, like to say you and I were talking mm-hmm. and we might get to a point where I might ask you your husband's name. And that would, I would consider that I would know my friend's husband's name, but if I'm in a work situation or in a training situation um, and we'd never met, then I might not necessarily have a personal relationship with you. I think it is something that's personal and I I don't necessarily think it's offensive to assume that anybody's gay or that they would be offended. I think it's just a, a, not a private thing. I, I just think it's something that you're in conversation with a person on a two-way flow um, as opposed to sort of throwing it out there when you first start. But that's just me and I haven't really – nobody's trained me. I've just been doing me. No, Um, doing you is awesome and that's what I'm interested (laughs) in. And the other thing I wanted to highlight too was you've said you've had, you know, you weren't disowned, you had a good upbringing and you still struggled with all of those challenges and I guess faced things in life. So I'm just thinking about how people would feel that have been discriminated against in our society and and do oh. want to get out there. So I think, you know, that there's there's pressures there before that even happens. Is that how you oh, yeah, feel? Look, oh, look, um, so when I say I've never had a bad experience, um, let's just put a bit of a a marker in that beautiful um in that um in my family history um there was homophobia and from my parents not my mum so much it, just my auntie is gay and my and my dad in that in that era hadn't handled it so well mm. and i was raised in that environment where there was shame around it and i was asked not to tell anybody that she was my auntie and you know that really impacted me as a young person so in fact i didn't realize i was gay until i left australia and got away and got out of that environment because i was you know the subconscious mind is hugely powerful and i was terrified Mm -hmm. and then it took me until my mid-30s to come out to my parents but when i finally came out Actually, my mum looked at me and said, oh, it's okay because it's you. I probably should have known all along. I'm really sorry uh, that you felt as though you couldn't tell me and they were absolutely fine. That's such a (laughs) powerful story. Yeah, in my head I had it that um, they wouldn't be fine and that they would disown me and that they wouldn't speak to me and and, and that shaped um, how I showed up. But the reality of the situation was that never happened. And so I have full empathy for um, people who do have bad experiences, but I realised in that moment um, how lucky I had been and I hadn't really grown from that experience as I could have through that, you know, through the strength of my parents. And, you know, like the world changed, right, because it wasn't, 
I can't say it was my dad's fault. Um, he was brought up Catholic when my auntie came out. Though that was almost half a generation between when I, she, well, actually probably a generation between when she did and I did. And you know, so my dad was sort of you know in and of his time and in and of of his religion at that point in time. Just things changed, and hopefully they'll continue to change. And that's one of the things that I'm striving towards is that nobody ever has to have a bad experience, and everybody is treated equally. And you know, kids just grow up being able to be fully expressed and not have to hide from themselves. I mean, a quote that I'll never forget is, "The only true lie is the lie to yourself." And it is really possible to lie to yourself if, you know, you powerfully want something else to be true. So true. You are so good at being you, Lisa. Keep being you. <laughs> Love it. So that's what I wanted to come back to. I did some research and I was looking at only stats I could find about teens in Victoria. This is from Victoria, just to pinpoint that. It was 2017 and 61% of LGBTI teens surveyed in Victoria had verbal homophobic abuse at school and 18% had physical abuse at school. So it's just massive. So there's a safe school's safe policy that's being implemented through all schools in Victoria about inclusion, about having the rainbow symbol everywhere, about, you know, talking about it. But it seems quite a lot. That is a lot to me of those kids that are experiencing that. So what could you say offering advice to those kids? Well, it's just occurred to me that I'm doing this interview as, as a human, not necessarily on behalf of National Australia Bank. I should really presence that. And as a human, that breaks my heart. What I will say is that, that the statistics aren't as high in corporate Australia in the Australian in the realm of the Australian Workplace Equality Index. However, the, the statistics are really high. And I, I actually sent an email to our CEO this week because in a, a public statement that NAB put out, he has publicly said that we have zero tolerance for bullying and discrimination. And I actually sent an email saying that I w- I'm really proud to work in a place where the CEO is a stand like that. We are a big part of the community as are all corporates, um, as are all you know people. And uh, zero is, the number zero is too high for any statistics like that. And um, firstly, it broke my heart. And then secondly, what I said to him was, I'm kind of inspired because what it means is that people have the courage to speak up. And now we know what the numbers are, we can deal with it and we can, um, you know, take measures to really raise awareness, raise education. I genuinely believe that discrimination and bullying comes from ignorance. Yeah. And people, like you keep saying, you don't know what you don't know. And especially kids, they're just mirrors for what they see on television or at home or, you know, um, who knows where they pick it up from. And it really is about education and awareness. And we have to, you know, have those have these conversations and not shy away from terrible statistics, use them as an opportunity to grow and to really, like you say, the symbolism of, um, you know, rainbows everywhere, just that inclusion, just really um, educating people that bullying and discrimination is not okay. 
One of the things we are doing is we are in partnership, which I think has been released um, with the Vic Pride Centre. Mm-hmm. And what we plan to do with them is we're going to do leadership trainings and community trainings and really um, presence education in the Victorian community, community to begin with. And um, if there was a Pride Centre in every state, I'm sure that we would um, develop relationships with them. But um, at the moment, it's with the Vic Pride Centre to, you know, just start to you know run education programs and really try to stop the ignorance which i believe will stop the which will bring the statistics back to zero and at the moment one thing i am non-negotiable on is driving any number in any demographic that number to zero it's so powerful that you're so passionate about it because I was actually going to say reflecting on my kids primary school I've got one in grade five and one in grade three they have people come in now I'm not sure I need to double check but they've got people come in about cyberbullying. they talk about all sorts of different things I don't know if they've ever specifically had someone come in and speak to them about different options of being So I think I might need to research that and look into that. And actually, it's interesting you say about the Pride Foundation in Victoria. There was a federal parliamentary inquiry into homelessness this year, 2020, and the Pride Foundation in Victoria did a submission. And they said it was more likely for people with a disability, refugees or seeking asylum that identify as LGBTI are more likely to be homeless. And I was like, that is so sad. Yeah, I mean, the statistics really, they're heartbreaking. We call that intersectionality, by the way. Okay, intersectionality. (laughs) That's what I didn't know how to say, that intersectionality. My heart goes out to people that I see that are homeless to start with and then to think that marginalised people are then more vulnerable. And it did say in there it's come from, you know, family instability and then discrimination shown against them by the community. And there was quite a few factors, but it was still quite hard to read that people were falling into a category of homelessness i know i mean it's just literally um my heart gets broken every time i look at statistics and things like that and you know really all we can do is raise community awareness you know start to understand the underlying issues because you can't really it's a matter of you know there's just so many factors that play into it like education demographic you know there's just so many things that play into it it's hard to categorize and and then the thing is if you look at that it's I'm also an impact investor and so I do a lot of social impact work across many continuums and it's really hard because the absolute numbers are quite small when you when you're talking about you know creating programs or you know, you can't do a social bond because it might only be a thousand people, but a thousand people is still a thousand people too many. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but um, they generally tend to be, although the percentage in the demographic is quite high, the absolute numbers um, can be quite low um, in terms of headcount. So it becomes difficult. So in terms of you, Lisa, so what advice would you give these teens, these kids that are, you know, questioning in terms of you being so good at being you and I'm struggling to be me most of the time? (laughs) So what what sort of advice would you give them? Um, I think one of the, like I've had um, a, a massive journey to get where I'm at today and I would have given anything to 
do the type of work that we do in the yoga teacher training. And when I say that, it's really the self-awareness work and understanding negative core beliefs. And, you know, you do not have to believe your own thoughts and um, beliefs aren't necessarily true and they can be formed at a very young age. And doing that work and on yourself, I wish I had have done that a long time ago because that has transformed how I see the world and how I see myself. And our great teacher, Baron Baptiste, when I, and it's, it was a long journey to get to fit to lead, which is level four <laughs> yoga teacher training. Massive. And we walked in and we we're in Park City, Utah. And he said, if you don't own it, it owns you. And I was like, oh my God, I have <laughs> to own it. And like, you've just got to own it. And the, the sooner you can get to that point, and I'm not saying it's easy because if there was a magic pill, I would have taken it, I think. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't give up the friendships I've developed with all my trainings for the world. So, you know, good, good always comes out of it. But the, the sooner you can own it, the better. And that's why I genuinely believe that if we start um, educating in the schools and making it, um, you know, just part of our, you know, our community dialogue, then young kids will be able to own it. I mean, I want to tell a story. Last week I was up in Byron Bay and um, I had, you know, one day to read by the pool on a throwdown trip there. And all I just, like I was trying to read, I couldn't go anywhere, so I had bucket list items to read War and Peace in my month off. And, oh, but I only had one day by this pool in Byron. And I sat down and I opened up War and Peace and it was two days before the school holidays, but the, all of these families had come up from Sydney mm-hmm. and they were from private schools in Sydney, which I will not name. And there was about 12 kids in the pool and they were going, they, they covered every disgusting topic you can possibly imagine. And then they started getting really homophobic and talking about gays and lesbians and being really derogatory. And I was just lying by the pool and I was like, well, I, if I react to these people in any way, shape or form, I just become the ones, the person that they're giggling about. And um, and so I didn't say anything and I don't regret not saying anything. I just decided to to tune out, read my book and get on with it. You know, they were being racist. They were being all sorts of disgusting. And it just made me really, really, really committed to thinking about how we educate our children, thinking about the languaging. It's not okay anybody to talk in a racist or homophobic way ever especially not people from private schools with wealthy upbringings in the eastern suburbs of Sydney in public places and you know I don't wear my heart on my sleeve but they you know they had zero awareness of who was in that public space and you know they were being pretty horrible and if I had have been a young gay teenager in that environment, you know, can you imagine how heartbreaking that would have been mm. and, you know, how long it would take to get past it? Because that's the thing that, you know, these beliefs are made of and that's the the exact type of situation that would trigger somebody into thinking that they're not enough or not good enough or different. You know, my big thing was I always thought I was different and I didn't want to be different. So I tried my best to be like everybody else. So it was never being me. Yeah, that's really full on just to hear that. Yeah, it almost ruins my day 
for about five minutes. And then I was like, <laughs> well, the thing is that if I let it ruin my day, then they're not, it's not ruining their day. No. <laughs> and I've only got one day for my holiday. So No. And then you think about what is the possibility of one of those kids probably going along with it because they are and the, the detriment that that's going to mean in their life. Oh, well, exactly. And, and, you know, what, what are the impacts of that? Because, you know, you know, the impacts are great. You know, I, I, nobody likes to talk about suicide, but the um, LGBTI teen suicide rate is much higher. I think it's 10% higher. Um, and, you know, I, I've done a bit of work in the past with Ian Roberts around that statistic and trying to get some initiatives up and running. And, um, you know, we've raised money for causes around that. And that's a big black spot. You know, any teenage suicide is terrible. Um, but when you also have a higher proportion of young gay people committing suicide, it's just awful because, you know, like they can have amazing, beautiful, wonderful lives. Everybody is equal. Uh, on that, I just wanted to give a couple of numbers if kids out there or anyone needs help out there. So Beyond Blue is one three hundred double two four six three six, one three hundred double two four six three six, and then Kids Helpline one eight hundred double five one eight hundred. And I've been online to both of those today, and both of them have a specific LGBTI section that you can go and have a look at, have a read through. And the Kids Helpline it's up to the age of twenty five, and you can also go on there and do a web chat. So if you can't ring or feel a little uncomfortable about it but need to talk to someone go on there click on web chat and you can chat away to someone live thank you so much actually i'm looking at my favorite book here and it's called the joseph campbell companion and the quote at the front of the book says i don't want to get this wrong because and oh for all the young people out there joseph campbell is yoda so george lucas when he wrote the script for star wars modelled Yoda off Joseph Campbell's work and the opening quote of his book says the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are I want to say that again the privilege of a lifetime is being who you are so shivers just be you got shivers oh that was so good I didn't even ask you to have a quote reading and you did it anyway (laughs) you were amazing I I, I just have it here all the time (laughs) I'm gonna have to get that book Lisa Wade it has been such a pleasure such an honor you are such a role model for women all around Australia and the world so thank you so much for your time thank you Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Kylie. Have a great day. Have a great long weekend. Woohoo, you too, lovely. <laughs> You're on Good Health Radio with Kylie Roger. We just spoke to the amazing Lisa Wade about all things LGBTI plus and everything about supporting them, being involved and just loving them. You're on Good Health Radio and we will be back after this break. <laughs> 